On September the 4th at 8 p.m. London time, the global walkout begins. One step at a time, hand in hand, we will walk out from the globalist society they are trying to enslave us into. Many of us, myself included, have unconsciously subscribed to globalism by accepting the conveniences they offered us through technology, communication, and easy banking. If we want to strategically push back against globalism, we must lead by example and slowly unchain ourselves. We already have the power. There are already enough of us. We just need to act in unison. Join the global walkout and together we will move forward to a new and better way of living. United, one step at a time. We will gradually strive to disconnect from the globalist agenda. If you join the Global Walkout family, you will be walking the walk alongside thousands and then millions of freedom lovers around the world. We will inspire each other to achieve our dream life of personal sovereignty, peace, happiness, and the ultimate freedom. Whatever the globalists try to do will become a non-issue because we are walking out on them. The first of many steps that we will take together will be announced on September 4th at 8 p.m. London time and then at the same time every week moving forward. I cannot wait to create a world where we are free to move, speak, think, worship, sing, dance, breathe and make our own choices. We are building that world together right now, one step at a time. Together, we will reignite freedom. What is the global walkout? This weekend, I had the pleasure of meeting Monica Smith, who is the founder of the Global Walkout Campaign, which I'm sure many of you have seen by now. The Global Walkout Campaign is a united front to walk out from the globalist agenda. We've seen with COVID-19 a whole range of um, problems that have emerged, not just from the response to the virus, but the manner in which this has been done. And this is a trajectory that threatens our very way of life in the Western culture and our Western culture and our freedoms. So at the Better Way conference, there was many different talks and sessions from across media, science, the medical world, and of course, an international collection of activists. And during the course of my time at the Better Way conference, I recorded many different interviews. And today we have the opportunity to watch my conversation with Monica Smith to learn about her compelling story about how she has fought back against the establishment during the last couple of years within Australia, the challenges that she's been through, including time spent in prison for her uh, actions and deeds. And you'll learn about the origins and aims of the global walkout campaign, which I had the privilege on the 18th of September of announcing the third step, the media walkout to encourage you to tune out from mainstream media sources for at least a week, no matter how intriguing or compelling those sources may be at the time, to actually tune out from the mainstream media and to get our information from 
new media, alternative media, just like the Elevate podcast. So introducing Monica Smith of the Global Walkout. Please join us in the Global Walkout campaign at globalwalkout.com. And for now, enjoy this conversation. Monica, good to see you here at the Better Way conference, Global Walkout. Talk to me. What's it all about? Global Walkout. Well, I mean, look, after two and a half years of, you know, fighting on the front lines, I'm sure you have too, yelling and screaming, being angry, um, thinking that maybe we could there could be a quick fix to this. Um, I think a lot of people are now realising that there isn't a quick fix mm. and that um, I think if we can strategically uh, push back against globalism by actually walking the walk ourselves, uh, we might have we might be in for some luck here. And uh, But it just needs to be a long-term plan and we need to be okay and patient with that. So the global walkout is uh, basically once a week we have a, a new step that is very easy to do. Anyone can do it, even if you're an 85-year-old grandma with a cat you can do these steps you don't have to do every single one and you can do them to whatever limit makes you feel comfortable and I'm hoping that it ends up being millions of people globally doing these steps and so people know that they're doing it along other people alongside other people and um, the idea is is that as the months go on the steps are going to get harder okay because if we really say that we're against globalism we want to stop this we, we have to walk the walk or else it's just not going to happen. A protest once a month isn't going to fix the situation right now, which mm. is what we've realised. So we really actually have to do it ourselves. And trust me, it's been hard for me too. I've sold my Apple Watch. I've stopped using my Apple AirPods. And I'm not saying they're bad. It's just that these are extra conveniences that I don't think I need. Mm. And probably they're not good for me because they're constantly emitting Wi-Fi on my wrist. and my. Anyway, the point is, is that I'm making sacrifices too and I hope other people are willing to as well. And uh, also, if there are if there are millions of people doing the same thing on the same day, um, it could be very impactful for negotiation or for th- I don't want to use the word threat, but for example, if if 10 million people said to Facebook, we're all going to unsubscribe from Facebook tomorrow unless you give the pages back to the people who lost them during COVID. Who knows? They might actually play play ball. Absolutely, it's a game of influence ultimately. And if you have yeah. people power, then that's where you can really create change. Yeah. So this is a great idea for a campaign. But where did this come from? What have you been up to the last couple of years? Tell, tell us a little bit about the story about what's led you to this campaign. So um, I started an organisation called Reignite Democracy Australia in August 2020. So right in the beginning really when people started realising there was something weird going on here and also in Victoria, Australia your audience might know that we had the worst lockdowns in the world um, and for four months during summer, uh, during winter, sorry, we couldn't leave our homes unless we had papers we, and if, even if we had papers we couldn't go more than five kilometres or we couldn't exercise for more than an hour which no one could police anyway which was crazy. Um, so in, in about August 2020 I started an organisation called Reignite Democracy Australia. It was right at the time when people were starting to figure out that things weren't quite right. And also Victoria, Australia had the longest, worst lockdown in, in, in the world, from what I understand. So uh, draconian measures like, you know, you couldn't leave the house for more than an hour a day to exercise, even though no one could police that. You couldn't leave more than five kilometres, which is about two and a half, two miles. Um, you couldn't leave the house unless 
you were essential according to the government and you had to have papers on you to leave more than five kilometres as well. On top of that, there was a, a curfew from 8pm to 5am as well. So it was winter, it was cold, everyone was depressed and I was like, this is not right. And we couldn't protest because it was illegal, all this sort of stuff. And I figured... I don't have to be a doctor to know that this is not healthy. We have all this anger inside of us. We're confused. No one's answering our questions. No, one, no one's giving us the facts. So I thought of a, a way to do a live stream protest. And that's where Reignite Democracy Australia was born. And then we really started campaigning against the government, doing petitions and things like that, which obviously also didn't work. But the point is, is at the time, we felt like we were doing something. And so I was, I was giving people tools to feel like they were fighting back. And some of it probably did work, but obviously it hasn't stopped the whole machine. But um, it was empowering people in that moment. But then things started really getting heavy um, when, you know, about a year later, um, I was... Uh, followed and arrested by seven undercover police um, and charged with incitement, um, which is, in this case, um, to make it really, really basic for you to understand what this is. Imagine if you went shopping with your friend and you encouraged her to park in a no-parking zone. She got a fine for parking there and you got criminally charged for telling her to park there. That is how ridiculous it was because it was incitement to encourage people to break COVID restrictions. So obviously I was speaking out against the masks and saying that protesting was a human right. So because I was inciting people to commit that crime, um, I was a criminal. So then what happened was is they gave me bail conditions uh, that would have silenced me completely. And, and I won't go through all of them, but just really quickly... The first one was that I had to be home from 7pm to 6am every single day and I'm still on bail and it's been a year now so that was crazy. Then there was two that completely suppressed my freedom of speech so I could not speak against the COVID restrictions. So it wasn't you can't encourage people to break them, it was you can't speak against them and you must delete everything on your website and your social media that goes against the COVID restrictions which was everything and I had seven staff at the time they all would have lost their business I would have been stuck at home in prison at home anyway I said no to signing the bail conditions so I went to prison for 22 days in solitary confinement um, because I wouldn't take a PCR test um, so I didn't go to prison for the charges I went to prison because I refused to sign the bail conditions waiting for appeal to the Supreme Court. Then the Supreme Court judge agreed that the bail conditions were ridiculous. And she said, Monica finds loopholes. That's not a crime because I was a journalist. So that was my loophole to leaving the house, right? Because yes. I had papers. Yes. Yes. But uh, they don't think I'm a real journalist, even though I've been overseas and done journalism and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, they don't believe it. So they charged me anyway. So I got out after 22 days of solitary confinement. Uh, without losing my voice. Um, and uh, just more recently, I pled not guilty. Um, and then they tried to get a warrant to force me to give them passwords to all my accounts on my phone. So my Telegram signal, Google Max, Google Docs, Google Drive. And if I didn't give them the passwords, I could go to prison for five more years or I, it would be a breach of bail. Um, so I would go back to prison for three months. Um, I said no. And um, a week later, they dropped the charges which is crazy. So I spent 22 days in prison for nothing 
and they just play with my life like that. Um, but I'm still on bail, which is weird um, because the, the charges are dropped. But anyway, here I am in Austria speaking, uh, speaking out and my lasting message on that story is that the joke is on them because they tried to silence me. But now I have this amazing story that I can share and um, it's because they attacked me and they really should learn to leave people like us alone because they just give us more ammunition when they come after us. So anyway, that's the story. Wow. Um, you're clearly a very strong, courageous woman, but when you got that verdict, verdict that you were going to be sent into solitary confinement for 22 days, mm. how did you feel? What was, what was going through your mind? Well, um, so I had to sleep in the remand centre that night, and, and I will just backtrack a little about three days before, before I got arrested, I actually had a, a lucid dream just before going to sleep of the exact same thing happening. So, so vivid that I even said to my partner at the time, if this happens, if I get bail conditions that are draconian, I'm not going to sign them and I'll go to prison. And he was like, really, do you have to do that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So when it happened, I wasn't shocked. It was like I was prepared. And I believe in God, right? So it was like he prepared me so that I didn't react crazily. I was just like, oh, okay, this this is real, right? <laughs> Three days later. And then uh, when I was in remand that night, um, there was another woman in the remand centre and she was clearly on drugs or really drunk and she was screaming and carrying on as if she was the devil herself. And I actually, I believe in God and I believe in devils. So I think the devil was telling me through her that you can't do this. Who do you think you are? You know, you, you know, that you, you can't handle the intimidation and the, you know, and I was like, no, no, I can. I, I think I can. I think I can. I've got the support of my family. I've got all this sort of stuff. I can do it. I can do it. So when I had the, uh, when the magistrate, said that these bail conditions were in place. To me, there was just no question because the bail conditions were so crazy that there wasn't even a question. Like, if they were a little bit more moderate, mm. um, like, if they didn't have the draconian, um, like, you-can't-speak ones in there, I might have accepted the curfew and then hoped to appeal it in a month's time. But those ones, I had seven staff. I had other livelihoods. And also, I felt like a lot of people were depending on me to be strong. So, to be honest, it took me no time at all to choose not to sign them. Um, uh, but in that moment, I was like, what the hell have you done? Yes. Like, are you crazy? Yes. And, and my lawyer said, I've never seen this happen before. Do you, you do realise you're going to a high, high maximum security woman's prison, right? And I was like, yes, I do. And the, the big question I had in my mind was, are you doing this for fame and glory or are you doing this for the right reasons, you know? And I had to go through that the night before with the, with the devil, I think. And, and I, was, I was really certain that it was the right reasons because we can try to be a hero sometimes, yes, right? Yes, um, So when I was in the transport vehicle from the remand to the, to the prison, I did cry for about five minutes because I saw my parents outside the window and I was looking out the window as I was in this little box, this metal box, and I was looking out at the other car and I was like, you have no idea what's happening. I'm not a criminal and I'm in this, you know, and I'm thinking, crying to myself. And then and then that was it. And after that, I just, um, to be honest, prison was really relaxing. Um, like, I, I work really hard. I'm sure you do as yes. well. Yes. Um, and so it was like, it was like God was like, well, you need a break. So I'm just going to put you in prison. Um, but, but I will say that I'm not a robot either. Um, obviously, being strip searched and being treated like a dog, like 
they don't open the door. They talk to you through like a little envelope sl slot. Um, and other women in the prison are going through all these things. So you, you could, I, I was in solitary confinement, so I didn't get to leave the room, but I heard other women crying and carrying on. And, and that was really hard. Um, and the strip search was basically like being, being raped, basically, but metaphorically, well, you know, you have to do things, you know, to check if things are in, in places. Yes. And that was, you know, really humiliating. And when I, um, like in there, I was pretty positive and uh, like my only job was to stay positive. I didn't have to post. I didn't have to write anything. I wrote a book while I was in there, which will be ready soon. Um, so actually, I just, I was like, yeah, I'll just like, I'll just like, you know, think and contemplate and I exercise and I had lots of naps and, and like I've stayed in worse hostels, to be honest, but, <laughs> yes. but I could leave them, yes. I guess is the difference. Yes. But, yes. but on the human side of it, I will say that, you know, especially being in Victoria, having been shot at with rubber bullets from the police, um, tear gas and, and pepper spray and things like that. There are some reactions when I see police that I can't control. And I guess that's probably PTSD or something along those lines. But of course, I would, especially when I first got out, I would come home every day and think that the police would be there. Or they would start, they turned up at 12 at midnight sometimes. They interrogated my four-year-old nephew when they went and, and ransacked my family's houses. Um, they dobbed in, they dobbed on, on us for living in a house barn that wasn't registered um, as residential because they couldn't see my room, they couldn't search my room and they were so annoyed that they, they reported it to the council and then we had to move. Um, so it really broke apart my family actually. So there was some things like from that but overall like in life, you know how sometimes a bad breakup seems really hard but then it ends up being really good? It was just like prison, like it, they, they tried to silence me, did the opposite and now I forgive them and I thank them because if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't be here today, mm. you know? So that's it. What an incredible story. Yeah. I mean, even when you're talking about the situation in Australia, the restrictions, the mandates, every time I hear those stories, I have to pinch myself to remind myself that actually happened. Yeah. You know, that alone as part of your story is still, it still shocks me today when we take the time to relive just how life was in 2020. But when you add your story of uh, your, your prison sentence and the challenges you've been through, that just makes it even more dystopian and hard to believe. And again, we, we have to recognize this is 2022. This is a modern society, supposedly free and open modern society that has led us. But, but, but it feels as though our culture is kind of shattering beneath us. What, what, do, what do you think the future holds based upon the trajectory we're heading on here? Well, the trajectory right now is, is terrible. Uh, there needs to be a shift mm. in, uh, in, in, in how we approach things, mm. you know, <clears throat> and that's why we're doing conferences like this to create those unities. And who knows, like now that we know each other, who knows what might happen? We, we, we could come up with an idea together that, that, that changes 100 people's lives. Or who knows, right? So if we continue, I mean, insanity is to do the same thing over and over, right? We tried the quick fix. We tried the protesting, which were beautiful, some of the best days of my life. We tried them. It, 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 it worked for many things that networked and we felt good but it's not the answer I don't think and I think those types of um, very reactive things they make you feel good in the moment mm. but but after that it actually is not that effective um, so I think the future looks very good if we are adaptable and flexible and you know the whole thing of working together it's easier said than done but I think that that we should and I would say my main thing about trying to um, get on the front foot is that it's like um, if you are getting bullied at school and you ask your parents what you should do, your parents are going to say to ignore them 
pretend it doesn't affect you, to walk away, to not give them any airtime because that's what bullies, they feed off of your energy and your airtime basically. So I see the globalists as the bullies in the schoolyard now and when all the, and the mainstream media. So when I see a negative headline, I'm just like, oh yeah, whatever. Like, of course they're going to do stupid things because they're stupid, pe- well, not stupid. Of course they're going to do evil things because actually they're quite evil. So it doesn't surprise me anymore. And I think over the last two years, we were giving so much energy to that, we were actually making it worse. Mm. And they were they were feeding off of it. They yes. loved it because yes. we were so angry, right? Mm. But if we ignore them and just be like, yeah, well, I'm going to go veg- put my veggies in my veggie garden or I'm going to go talk to my friend, that's going to annoy them more. <laughs> yes. Like, seriously, they yes. hate being ignored. Yes. So maybe politics isn't the answer. Maybe protesting isn't the answer. Maybe we literally just need to start putting together the life we want instead of fighting against a life we don't want and if we can all change our it sounds lame but like I call myself a freedom lover instead of a freedom fighter now and it's just one word difference it means pretty much the same thing but there's a, there's something different about it yes energetically different yeah and for me personally I believe when when we start to conceive the life we want to live then it simply becomes the duty to then step into that life and mm-hmm. I think that's really really important because we can constantly externalize and rationalize why our life is a certain way and we we, we can become the victim in doing that because our circumstances can determine how we experience our life. But actually, when we reclaim our sovereignty, our agency, our autonomy, and we make that decision for ourselves, but also looking to the world we want to create around us and how we can influence that. One of my favorite stories is from a, a, a spiritual teacher called Ramdas who talked about how if you smile at five people in the day, hmm. and then those five people then smile at five more people, by the end of the day, you could have caused one million even more people to have smiled and that's a ripple effect that can transpire around the world Mm -hmm. from simple actions and that's why I love what you're doing the global Mm. walkout because it comes down to simple actions Mm. that we can all take but a lot of them are very positive focused and it's lovely to hear your plans because it enables people to actually step into that Mm. freedom loving life Mm. and and reclaim their sovereignty to step into that power they have and you've demonstrated incredible personal power through what you've done and I'm really curious because we've, we've, we've got this kind of narrow view of you and what you've done over the last couple of years. What do you feel that through your life has built you to this point? You know, what, what are some things you've been through that have given you this strength and courage to, to, to face what you faced over the last couple of mm. years? Well, I haven't always been this person. Um, and, you know, when my book comes out, maybe people will want to... I won't go into too much detail except for the fact that, you know, I had some pretty traumatic things happen when I was younger, um, which led me to a really un unsavory lifestyle from about 18 to 25, really disrespecting myself, insecure, I was overweight, I was uh, basically, I was never hurting anyone else but myself, a lot. And um, it took me two or three years to, to forgive myself for those bad mistakes. Um, but, then, but then, I don't know what happened, but there was this voice inside of me that said, maybe you could do something to help people. I, 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 I don't know. And I think the only difference between me and someone else is I'm not any better or more courageous than anyone. I think the only difference is, is that I listen to that little voice and everyone has it. Mm. And it can be, not everyone is meant to be in the public eye. Not everyone is meant to go to prison. But you, you probably get a voice in your head saying, I could have spent more time playing cards with my son or I could have gone for a longer walk or I probably shouldn't have had that chocolate cake, whatever. It can be very small things, but we all have these voices, right? And we ignore them because it's easier to. But actually, if we listen to those voices, it's going to make us the person that we're supposed to be. So the only difference is that 
it. I listened. Um, and also, I, I travelled a long time on my own and put myself into really weird situations like Honduras, Gua like, you know, South America on my own, young girl, like crazy stuff, you know. And I think that sort of made me, like, more secure because I was so insecure when I was younger. Then in a, on, a, on a generational side point, my grandma, she's from Holland, and they, they hid Jews in their attic during World War II. Um, and so I, I look to her for a lot of strength. Um, and, and also, I believe in God, but it doesn't matter whether it's God or a higher power or whatever. But I do feel like I'm basically just like on this journey and I'm not choosing anything. And also that helps keep me humble as well, because it's like, well, I don't have any, I'm not better than anyone else. It's just that I was asked to do something and I just listened. That's it. That's absolutely it. And so I do get a lot of inspiration from God. And I, um, I'm not like, a, I don't sit there praying for 10 hours a day, but I just feel like there's some sort of connection. And then when I was in prison, like I, uh, he, he allowed me to feel at peace because I knew I'd, I'd done the right thing, not for me, but for something else. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And my family is so supportive. Hey, like I, I live with them. I love living with family and being around and all my friends are like me. Um, so I haven't lost any friends or anything like that. So I think that all plays, plays a role. And when I started this whole thing, I was living on a, on a property with many family members. So during the lockdowns, I was never alone and they all supported me. So I think that all plays a role, but yeah. So the point is, Everyone is courageous. They just need to listen to the voice. Indeed, they do. Yeah. Now, last question I want to ask you, and this is, I'm fascinated to hear people's stories going into 2020. You know, the unknowns of what the year will bring. You know, we hit that 31st of December moment to welcome in the new year. People have hopes, dreams, and ambitions. Some people make the New Year's resolutions of things they want to accomplish. What were you planning to do in 2020 before this all happened? <laughs> Well, I just finished traveling for like three years. Yes. So I had just gotten home and I was like, oh, I did real estate before. And I was like, what am I going to do? I can't just go back to real estate after traveling. And I, I started doing journalism when I was traveling and just learned so many amazing things. I'm like, how am I going to find a job that is going to fulfill <laughs> this sort of person that I've become? And, and I changed so much during that, that my friends and stuff didn't, didn't seem to gel anymore because, you know, traveling is su such an inspiration. Um, <laughs> so I was supposed to finish off a documentary. I was going to, I've got all this footage from when I traveled. So I just was sifting through that footage and was thinking of making something out of it and writing and whatever. And then, um, and, 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 and just as well, like people might think that someone makes one live stream video and it goes viral and that's how it happens. But what people don't know is that there's hundreds of hours before that yes, yes. of crappy videos yes. that went nowhere. Lots of speeches that you've written that you never got to speak and et cetera, et cetera. But I had done that already the previous years because I thought I had something to say, but I didn't know what it was. Mm. So I just kept trying to look for it. So for some reason I had a, I just knew that I would figure it out. I had no idea that there would be a massive virus and that would give me my voice. And obviously I would have preferred there not to be a virus and for me not to have a voice and I would have found a smaller voice in another situation. But yeah, um, I was just dabbling around with documentary stuff and f trying to figure it out. I was waiting to figure something out and it figured it out for me. Life showed the way. I mean, we have such similar stories when it comes to 2020 yeah. in the way that, you know, what preceded that 
I mean, during the lockdown, we created content every single day, three to five pieces of content, just to try and keep people motivated, engaged. And at that point, I had a very critical mind. I was watching what's going on, but I just felt compelled to try and serve people. And so we're bringing inspirational speakers, live classes, workouts, fitness, yoga. And we were deliberately trying to get this stuff to go viral. You know, we're like, everyone's at home. Like, we, this is a... This is a real opportunity to engage people. Surely we can get this into, into, the, into the homes of many people to, to support people for this time. And we reached, you know, we reached a couple of hundred thousand people, which was, yeah. which was great. And you know, I'd been creating content for the past five, six years prior to that. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but then come October, when it was a breaking point for me, August, whenever it was, August 2020, and I literally just picked up my phone with no intention other than to share how I was feeling about what I was witnessing, that was the video that went viral without even trying. You know, there was no intent. I've seen that. Yes. Yep. And then, you know, 5,000 people had shared it within 24 hours. It was insane. And you were like, but I was just, wow, I was just myself. And no preparation. Nope. And no expectation. It's the videos you spend hours, make, days making, <laughs> yes, and you're yes, like, this yes. is it. It's like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah. I think the important thing is that moment is available to all of us to claim our voice, yeah. to find that power within us. We all have the tools and the technology that can help us do that. And it, having been here today at the conference, you and I have been a, you know, going through a vast amount of experience here and meeting so many different people. But it just had this sense that there are people watching and waiting for someone to come and save the day or bring the campaign or the protest. And that, that's all happening. But I feel that everyone out there, if they can claim that power that's within them and step up as a leader. A leader to me is not something with a title. You know, you don't need to be a manager or, or whatever uh, title or expectation that the world puts on us. It's a way of being in the world. And I feel what the world is calling for now is leaders. And you've stepped up as a leader, as hopefully I have too, and like many of us here today. But that invitation, I feel, is out there waiting for all of us. Mm. And 2020 felt like a tap on the shoulder moment. I had that. I had, I had a very spiritual, profound moment where it felt like, if you don't do this now, Dan, that's your last chance. Yeah. It's your last shot. I've given you plenty of chances. Yeah. It's going to be tough, but <laughs> you said you wanted to do this. So. Exactly. Yeah, I remember saying to, to God, I was like, I'm willing to work my butt off if you, if you, if you point me in the right direction. Oh, <laughs> geez, did I, did I play a game with that? But oh, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And where is life pointing you now? We obviously got the global campaign and we'll, we'll wrap up on that just to give people a, call, uh, a place to go to check that out mm. but where are you feeling called to go next well um coming to this event being let out of the country <laughs> um i really want to be going to these events as much as possible um mm. because being in the same space as people like yourself um it, it, it could create things that we just can't imagine and and there's so many good people you can't network with everyone and i'm just hoping that uh, i get directed to the right people for the, at the right time um and so I, I feel like you know i want to represent my country as much as i can um and and spread whatever i can and i'm networking for australia it's not like uh i want to come here just to like have a good time because to be honest it's really hard work isn't it mm, really it hard work flat out. so with the with the global walkout um you know that's really my focus at the moment and and i'm hoping that it trickles down to help australia i'm not leaving australia that's my home i love it um but yeah so just networking as much as i can producing these weekly sort of things um but with reignite freedom which is the which is what 
which is what started the global walkout, there's a three-prong approach there really quickly is to um, connect experts to each other globally and we have our own um, collaboration platform like an Asana or a um, Mondays.com where you yes. can schedule tasks and things like that. We have over 400 collaborators now all separated into departments and they're having weekly Zoom meetings and who Fantastic. knows what's going to happen about that. On Reignite Freedom as well, we're going to have a page for each country which is going to showcase all the different people. So you'll be on the UK page, for example. So if I was to move to the UK from Australia, I'd be able to go to that page and find anyone I want to, uh, anyone I want to follow or join up with. There's also going to be events on there, and then the th- and so that's the second prong approach is to connect locals to people like you, and then the third approach is to empower individuals to become better in their own lives on their own, but also feel like they're involved in something else, and that's the global walkout. So that's kind of the plan. So and the global walkout will support. Um, other initiatives through the steps. So, for example, you spoke today, uh, yes, the other day, <laughs> days are smooshing into one, you spoke about breaking up with the mainstream media and I'm like, that's the guy for the media step. Um, so I'm supporting your initiative by making it a step. And so I hope that I can support so many other great initiatives just by making it a step. Um, and, yeah, that's so that's the plan. Yes, I mean, we call it a media breakup. It's actually a media that's walkout. Right. Yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's yeah, breaking yeah, up and yeah. walking out. I mean, yes. you do both at the yeah, same that's time. Right. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about the first two steps. What was step one? Step one was to use cash um, as much as possible. Um, and, obviously, and step two was to support local markets and grocery stores and farmers as opposed to the big ones. Yes. Um, so the idea is, is that like not everyone can take out tons of cash at once. So even if you just use it one day a week, seven days a week whatever you can do is fine we hope that it's a progressive add-on that you don't walk backwards afterwards so once you realize how empowering it is to use cash you, you might keep doing it 80 percent of the time you know and then uh, number two obviously local grocery stores can sometimes be more expensive so not everyone can do it all the time but you just do what you can yes. and by researching what the gl- local grocery stores are you'll now know where they are which you might not have known before and you can go there more often or researching when the market Every city has a market, right? So if you just know when they are, you might go more often. Um, so, and every step, most steps will have a an activism element to it, also raise awareness. So, with the cash step, there was a little piece of paper. There was four dot points that explain why cash is so important to keep in circulation. The second one had a one as well, and we've just had some really beautiful feedback. For example, one butcher. Um, that someone gave the little piece of paper and he said, oh, I got one of these yesterday as well. Amazing. <laughs> what the heck? Yes. That's insane, yes. right? So yes. anyway, that'll just keep growing. It's only We've only had two steps. Yes. So Incredibly powerful. Well, we now have a third step. And if you're watching this, the third step was announced on Sunday. It's the media walkout. We encourage you to unsubscribe from all mainstream media channels, YouTube channels, delete the apps from your phone, your laptops, your tablets, Check out from mainstream media for at least a week. Even though there are some intriguing articles out there right now, the narrative is beginning to crumble. There is some mainstream support. Finally, try to unsubscribe. Have a full mainstream media diet for at least a week. Join us in the media walkout. We can send a message together. There'll be future messages about how we can support independent media, independent thought. But for now, take the step, step three this week, to 
walkout from mainstream media. Together we can create change. This is the global walkout. It's been such a pleasure being here with you. It's, it's been, been awesome. Really, I'll see you really soon in to your country. You. And uh, yeah, likewise, I come to, I would love to come to visit you. In Not Australia. right now. Don't come now. Don't come now. It's bad. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Well, I've got, to, yeah, got some challenges to go through at home to, yeah, to yeah, do about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I hope you enjoy this powerful conversation with Monica. Please hit the subscribe and share button if you enjoy this episode. It's important that we stay connected. Uh, censorship is is more and more rife. We're currently suspended on YouTube as I record this for seven days for our content from the Better Way conference. So it's really important that we find alternative ways to stay in touch. So if you haven't yet subscribed to our mailing list, go to danastingregory.com forward slash podcast to join our uh, newsletter where you'll get up-to-date information about our content. This is the Global Walkout. One step at a time, hand in hand, we are walking out from the globalist society they are trying to enslave us into. Today is the 18th of September, 2022. I'm at the Better Way Conference in Vienna, Austria, and this is the third step of the Global Walkout. My name is Dan Aston Gregory, and I am walking out with you. The third step of the Global Walkout is to unsubscribe from all mainstream media outlets, delete the apps from your phone, laptop and tablet, and unfollow all of their social media and YouTube channels. Try to avoid mainstream media for at least one week, even if the headline is intriguing. On the Global Walkout website, navigate to step three, where you'll find a printout explaining why we should break up with mainstream media. And you can use these points as a way to start conversations with strangers, friends, and family. And you can catch up on all of the previous steps at globalwalkout.com. Stay tuned for the next step this time next week. Every Sunday at 8 p.m. London time, a new step will be announced. United, we will empower ourselves and each other to become more independent, self-sustainable, and in control of our own destinies. Together, we will reignite freedom. Join the Global Walkout family at www.globalwalkout.com and we will see you next Sunday.